Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to this special Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls series on wine, food and travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. For the next weeks, we will be focusing on a dozen trophy-winning wineries from the competitions that took place in Verona at the start of Vinitali in early April. The winning wines are without doubt some of the very best that Italy has to offer. What I'm most interested in discovering are the stories behind the bottles, learning about the wines themselves of course, and also about the people who make them, where they're from, what they eat, how they live. It's a fascinating journey that will take us all across Italy, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. In this special five-star Wines and Wine Without Walls edition, I'm delighted to shine a spotlight on the wine estate of Cantina Volpi in Piemonte, in Piedmont, in the province of Alessandria. Cantina Volpi has just won Miglior Vino Biologico, the best organic wine, for its Colli Tortonesi Timorasso at the prestigious Five Star Wines Wine Without Walls competition that took place in Vinitali recently in April. My guest today is Marco Volpi, who joins me from near Tortona. Ciao, Marco. Many congratulations on this important award, and thanks for being my guest today. How are you? Ciao, Mark. So thank you. Thank you a lot for, uh, for inviting me at, at, at this podcast, at this interview. It's really, really nice to be here. So I'm good. I'm good. Really wanting to, to, to hear about what you want to know about uh, my winery, my wines, and my, my place where we live, where we make wine since uh, now more than 100 years. Well, that's great. That's exactly what I want to know about. The aim of my show is really to give our listeners the story behind the award-winning bottles. So first of all, to help our listeners know where you are, can you tell us about the Coli Tortonesi? I think many people who have visited Piedmont are maybe more familiar with Le Lange or the wine hills of the Astigiana, the Monferrato, the Coli Tortonesi less so. So tell us a little bit about where you are. Yes. So uh, first of all, geographically, we are in uh, south of Piemonte, southeast of Piemonte, to be to be accurate. It's true. Many many people don't know a lot about uh, this production area, uh, even if it is a very historical wine production, grape and wine production area. There are many historical uh, writings uh, telling the uh, production of wine in Tortona has always been very very big, very huge. I uh, think that in the Duomo construction builders back uh, 500, 600 years ago, uh, were being paid also with some wine coming exactly from Tortona Hill. So we are talking about a uh, very historical production here. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 
we are close to the most uh, famous uh, area. So we are like 20 minutes far from Gavi and 20 minutes far from Monferrato to give you an idea about, about the, also about the area. We've been uh, producing the, the most typical grapes of Colli Tortonesi are Barbera, Timorasso. Of course, we're going to talk about Timorasso a bit more uh, throughout this, uh, this interview, I guess. Uh, and then Cortese and Dolcetto. Those are the main, uh, the main, the most important grape and the most important wines of uh, of the area. Okay, uh, Marco. Now you said that this your family wine estate has been going for more than a hundred years. Tell us a little bit about your estate itself, the history of Cantina Volpi. Yes, yes. So basically, in nineteen fourteen. I am the fifth generation of the company, okay? So in 1914, my family started producing wine uh, in order to sell it in their restaurant. So they had a really uh, uh, a small restaurant here in Tortona, and uh, they started to produce wine from their own vineyards to sell it only at the restaurant. Then a few, a few years later, the focus started to be more on the grape growing and on the wine producing business instead of the restaurant business. So they started to produce more. They started to buy also grape from other growers here around Tortona. And, and then in 30, 40 years, they, start, they decided to create, to build uh, a big winery right, uh, right outside of Tortona to vinificate from the Colli Tortonesi area. Uh, the company grew a lot in the, in the 50s and in the 60s. And then in the 70s, had a very big uh, increase in production thanks to Cortese, Cortese grapes. Cantine Volpi has been the first producer of a, a naturally fermented uh, sparkling Cortese wine that was huge in Italy in the 70s and then in the 80s. It was uh, really a revolution in that sector. And Cantine Volpi started to produce uh, a few a few hundreds bottles of that product at the beginning of the 70s and at the end of the 80s we were producing around a million bottles oh my goodness. of of that cortese frizzante yes so it was uh, it was the moment when cantina volpi started to really grow uh, if compared to other wineries uh, in the in the area cortese of course being the grape of of gavi exactly so more familiar perhaps for still wines but a sparkling Cortese, gosh, that's a that's a interesting and a huge number of bottles. I assume that was the Martinotti method. Correct, correct, that's correct. So uh, we've been one of the first uh, producers to 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 put Cortese into uh, into these tanks to to create the, to create a sparkling wine, and uh, uh, it's been a, it's been a success back uh, back in the back in the days. Uh, then, of course, uh, you know. After uh, after a few years, uh, end of the nineties and beginning of two thousands, of course we had this huge phenomenon of prosecco that uh, that really uh, arrived and changed a lot the market, changed the consumption of the wine. So since then, Cortese started to decrease a bit. So uh, basically, uh, my father decided to change a bit the focus on uh, of the winery in two different, uh, different directions. So at the beginning of 2000, he decided to have one focus on the uh, local vineyards and on autochthonous uh, grapes, so Timorasso and Barbera, and on the other hand, on organic production. So 
at first, at the beginning, so at the beginning of 2000s, to farm organically in Tortona, it was not that easy. So in order to have organic wines, organic certified wines, he started to go a bit around other production areas, uh, with his analogist also, to look for growers of grape that, that were able to produce organically easier. So I'm talking about other production areas in Italy. So for example, Sicily and Puglia. And they started to source grapes from those, those areas to produce wines here in Tortona to save that wine in all over the world and organic certified wine. Then a few years after that, They've been able, also thanks to the expertise they had throughout those years, to also go organic here in Piemonte. So now we have also organic vineyards here, uh, family-owned vineyards here in Piemonte, farmed organic. And I'm talking about Barbera and Timorasso uh, vineyards. One of them is, is the one that give the name to the wine that won as best organic wine at Vinitali. So uh, Timorasso is the name of the grape and La Zerba is the name of the estate, of the family-owned estate close to Tortona, where we have the vineyards. Okay, so it's been a real commitment then for the last two decades to really focusing on organic wines. And I guess it must have been very, very satisfying when at the Wine Without Walls competition, this wine that we'll talk about, the Timorasso, won the Best Organic Wine Award which is a huge achievement. So many congratulations for that. Well, th thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yes. It's, it's, it's not easy cultivating organically in Piemonte, I would imagine. Far more difficult than perhaps in drier areas such as Sicily or Puglia. Yeah, we have to say that uh, this climate change, it is a bit helping on the organic, uh, organic sites. I think it's the only, the only, the only positive uh, side of this climate change is that you know we have drier seasons drier summers this year i think it's the driest season we're having in 70 years we have we're having huge problems with uh, uh with uh, we're missing rain so we're having huge problems but on the other hand of course it makes organic farming easier you know you have uh, less less diseases uh, less uh, uh, less less problems uh, in the vineyards uh, so it's getting easier because summers are getting drier. But uh, but it changed. It really changed. I think in the last five five to ten years, not more than that. Not more than that. Okay, it made organic farming more possible in 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 a consistent way rather than just in unusual years. Now let's talk about Timorasso. It's a great variety that many people won't be familiar with, yet which has emerged as one of the most exciting and interesting and characterful of all Piedmont's white grape varieties. Now, tell us about Timorasso, because it's really only found in the Colli Tortonesi. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. It's an indigenous variety of uh, of Colli Tortonesi, and uh, yes, it is. It is still surprising. You know, every time I talk about Timorasso, uh, I have a surprised face. Let's say because you know, until twenty years ago, nobody, but really nobody, not even not even one critics uh, knew about about this grape variety. And uh, we had, uh, I think, around 10 hectares left of Timorasso at the beginning of 2000s. And I'm talking not as the actor of Cantina Volpi, I'm talking about the old producers of the area, only 10 hectares at the beginning of 2000s. So it was almost disappeared. Uh, why? Why? Why was it disappeared? Because, you know, it's not an easy 
a great variety to cultivate. If you want to have uh, volumes, uh, you, you, you do not get uh, quality and also you do not get volumes because the plant is producing a lot of grape. But if the plant is stressed with too much grape, all the grape you have will go will not get to the uh, right amount of sugar. It will not get uh, healthy at the end at the end of the harvest. So really, really hard to cultivate. So if you, if we go back to the eighties to the seventies, when the market really needed a lot of wine, the market was asking for huge quantities of Italian wine. Of course, all the growers they didn't want to go with a hard. Uh, variety to cultivate. So they started to replant maybe other varieties like Barbera and Cortese instead of Timorasso. And so it, it was almost uh, almost disappeared. Then, the beginning of 2000, you know, the consumption a bit changed. Uh, the focus on indigenous varieties and on quality uh, was more and more important. And so it was rediscovered a bit. Thank you for listening to Italian Wine Podcast. We know there are many of you listening out there, so we just want to interrupt for a small ask. Italian Wine Podcast is in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the Podcast Awards, the People's Choice. Listener nominations is from July 1st to the 31st, and we would really appreciate your vote. We are hoping our listeners will come through for us. So if you have a second and could do this small thing for us, just head to italianwinepodcast.com from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show. We planted the first hectare in 2004 and uh, we are uh, we have now around 5 hectares in our in our estate and uh, yes, it is a very atypical wine. The wine you get from Timorasso grape is really atypical. It's not the classic. Uh, it's not the classic uh, white. It's not the classic Italian white wine for sure. It has a very way more uh, structured and uh, and then contrast uh, if compared to a normal uh, classic white wine. Also, for example, the main characteristic of Timorasso is that you can have Timorasso after many years after the harvest. So the longevity of Timorasso is another very peculiar characteristic of the wine and really, really appreciated by, by the market now. So yes, it was uh, it, it really is right now a huge, what is happening, it's really, you know, it's, it's even strange at some point for us because we are having uh, Barolo producers coming from Lange to Tortona to buy the grape or to buy vineyards, to plant new vineyards. We are now, we, we do have around 350 hectares of Timorasso now, if compared to the 10 we had 20 years ago. Wow, all in the Colli Tortonesi. Correct, exactly, exactly. All in the Colli Tortonesi. So really, really surprising what's going on. We need to, we need to, of course, to, to still, still a lot to do, of course, to make this wine known. To, to, to make this wine uh, spread the word about this wine and and you know also this kind of initiative like 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 what what we are doing now it's important you know to understand uh, to understand and to to know a bit more about uh, this great uh, grape and wine variety I think it's important what you said uh, Marco that it's not uh, 
Timorasso is not a wine like we think of as a classic Italian white, which I think Gavi at its best really is a really classic Italian dry white wine with that steeliness and the and the minerality and you know it's a beautiful wine with food and a lot of people love Gavi, no Gavi, but Timorasso has this greater structure concentration and as you say that ability to age well. Gavi, I don't think we think of really so much as a wine to lay down and age. We want to keep that that freshness even in the bigger styles. But Timorasso is unusual. And I think uh, I think people now, our listeners certainly, are seeking wines with real character and flavors that you simply don't find elsewhere. You know, there's so many wines that taste the same around the world, but these wines such as Timorasso are unique and they need to be safeguarded. So bravo to you and your family for for continuing uh, the, the belief in a grape such as Timorasso. Tell us a little bit about La Zerba, uh, how you produce this wine. Is it a classic vinification? Yes. Yeah, so, so La Zerba is the name of the estate where we have the vineyards. We have two vineyards at La Zerba. We have one Barbera vineyard, around four hectares, five hectares actually. And we have uh, other four hectares of Timorasso. We do, uh, for both Barbera and Timorasso, we do manual harvest. Basically, Timorasso normally is the first half of September. Last year, it was, for, it was around the 10th of September while Barbera is around the end of September. So uh, manual harvest, 100% of the grapes are used for the same batch, let's say. So the wine is composed only by a grape coming from the same vineyard. We do a classic white vinification for the first. uh, So uh, pressing machine, we go to the pressing machine. First we crush the grape, then we go to the pressing machine, and then we go to the fermentation. Fermentation happens in steel tanks. After that, we go to concrete tanks. We do have uh, most of the tanks we have for uh, stabilization and aging are concrete tanks. Uh, we stay with uh, with Timorasso. We stay for around from ten to twelve months in concrete tanks uh, on uh, on its lease. Okay, and uh, after that, after only after twelve or thirteen months, we bottle the Timorasso. So then what happens that uh, we, we keep the Timorasso inside the bottle for at least four months before going to the market. And then we have, actually, we have our fresher vintage, you know, uh, uh, with, the, with the fresher vintage, uh, for example, if we, if we think about the 2021st harvest that we did last year, the 2021st vintage will be available on the market on uh, around February, March 2023. So we begin already already after the vinification and the aging. When we go on the market, we already have a pretty aged white wine. So uh, normally for agave, for example, like you said before, to keep the comparison, if we we are now already uh, we as producers are already se- already selling the 2021st vintage of Gavi, and in a few months from now they will be asking for for a new vintage. So this uh, already at the beginning of the of the stage of Timorasso, we have a, a huge difference if compared to other to other white varieties. Yes, that's a, that's a very important point. It's really a different style, a different type of wine completely. Yes, and and uh, and also I think that uh, what is very important for Timorasso 
is the bottle aging. The bottle aging, we should, I think we should be even braver, let's say, and we should always keep the wine a bit more before releasing to the market, even a few months more inside the bottle. Because we have a, we have a reserva, a reserva label of Timorasso uh, when we age for two more years inside the bottle, the wine, and uh, 10 months more. So first 10 months more on, on its lease and then two years more in the bottle. So we go on the market. We are now on the market with the 2017 vintage. Uh, we do only 600 bottles of that wine. So it's really a niche production. But it really, you can really see how the, the potential of, Timor, of Timorasso and why Timorasso is so, uh, it has this aging uh, evolution that is really extraordinary. Which is, is not usual with Italian white wines, actually. I'm thinking of perhaps the uh, Etna Bianco with its high acidity from Caricante ages beautifully, and some Verdicchio wines have that characteristic. But, but a lot of Italian whites are meant to be drunk when young and fresh. So this is a rarity and something very special. Now, it's a wine, I'm sure, that goes very well with the gastronomy of the area. But before we turn to that, I just want to um, briefly speak about your Barbera, because, um, you know, we're Again, our listeners are familiar perhaps with Barbera d'Alba or with the wines from Monferrato, Nizza, Diasti, Barbera d'Asti. How does the Barbera from the Colli Tortonese differ uh, from wines from these other areas? What makes it unique? Well, you you asked you asked the right question. I have to say because normally when we think uh, when when normal people let's say we think about Barbera, we think about the Barbera d'Asti. So really high acidity. Sometimes a hard wine to, to drink, let's say. Well, Colli Tortonesi Barbera are pretty different from, from Barbera Asti, for example. So they are way warmer. So let's say more warm in your mouth, more or less uh, with, uh, with acidity, of course, but in a, in a more mild acidity, let's say. Then all of our Barberas, they make the, also the malolactic fermentation, of course. So also that helps with this, uh, this warm in your, in your mouth. Uh, but uh, but Barbera of Colli Tortonese is really really particular for that reason. So uh, also our Barbera coming from Lazzarba Estate, it's uh, it's 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 also somehow different from norm from Barbera of Colli Tortonese because it is a very very old vineyard. We uh, we estimate the average age of the plants to be around now to be around 75 80 years old. The average. So we have more than a hundred years uh, vines, plants in a vineyard. Of course, the productivity of the vineyards is really, really low. Uh, we we are around 70, 70 uh, uh, quintals by by hectare. So I'm talking about a really low productivity. But still, we don't want productivity out of that vineyard. We want, uh, let's say, really quality and and particularity out of that vineyard. So. Uh, that that really that the age of the vines really helps a lot. Sure, that low uh, low yields from older vines, but greater concentration, greater quality. Exactly, exactly. Marco, let's turn now because your Barbera as well as the Timorasso, these are wines that are really made to go with the gastronomy of the area. Tell us a little bit about the gastronomy of the Colli Tortonesi. So uh, we have uh, the variety of of the gastronomy is really. Like in every Italian regions, I have to say it's really huge. Uh, we have uh, very, very niche 
producers of cheese. We have uh, an indigenous variety of cheese. We could say indigenous variety because it's a very, uh, it's a cheese that is produced only here in Tortona. It's called Montebore. Oh, I haven't had that. And it's a mixed variety of cheese. So it has uh, uh, milk uh, coming uh, both from goat uh, uh, and cows. And uh, so it's a very, it seems like a, a wedding cake. It is, uh, if you look for Montebore uh, pictures on the web, you will find those cheeses that they look like a wedding cake. And it's really, it's really particular as a, as a product. And it goes perfectly both with Timorasso and with Barbera. Because I have to say that Timorasso, due to, to its concentration, to its contrast, complexity and sapidity, it goes really well. Uh, not only with very light uh, products, but also with uh, uh, heavier, let's say, uh, products. So, for example, ham, for example, cheese, and uh, and also light meat uh, food-based. So, uh, like, uh, uh, really also, n- not not only the, the, the fish, you know, normally with, with wine, you, you normally suggest the fish-based pla- uh, dishes, but... This goes actually very well with a wide category category of, of products. Okay, so that robust structure of Timorasso, I would imagine with risotti, various risotti, mushrooms, of course. Mushrooms, uh, mushrooms, risotti, that, that would be, that, that is also, uh, you know, we have uh, in autumn, uh, in, our, in our places, you can find both mushrooms, but also truffles. You can find the white truffles also in uh, in uh, in Colli Tortonesi area, both black and white truffles. But it's one of you know our territory, the soil, the soil of Tortona is actually the same uh, soil of Lange. the The soil of Lange is called uh, Tortoniano in a, in the technical in the tec- the technical name is Tortoniano, coming from Tortona. So uh, also the products that you can find that grows. In, in the area are similar sometimes. And truffle is, is one, uh, one example of that. Uh, truffle of Alba, you can also find truffle of Tortona in Colli Tortonesi. Oh, I didn't know that. I've not heard that before. That's really interesting. And this is soil that's derived from an ancient sea. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Final, final question, Marco. Uh, as we say, the Colli Tortonesi are not so well known for visitors. If people want to visit the Colli Tortonesi, what are the main attractions? What should they do? Can they visit the Cantino Volpi, for example? But what other things would be an attraction for visitors to come? Well, first of all, uh, I have to say that thanks to Timorasso, there's in the last few years there has been a more movement. If uh, if I'm talking about hospitality, hospitality structures, so a lot of new tasting rooms being created, a lot of new wineries creating winery tour, vineyards tour, and so on. Uh, also, we are an example of that. We are building the new uh, tasting room with wine shop also uh, at La Zerba, so in the vineyards exactly. And uh, we, uh, starting from March 2023, we will start with the tours and guided tours of the of the vineyards with, with the tasting at the end of the tour. Our territory is not really small, as you as you could think. Uh, it, it uh, it's uh, four different valleys of uh, of uh, of uh, of hills, so it's really wide and spread. There is a lot of hiking that you can do in our in our places because the hills then they become the mountains that they separate. Liguria and Piemonte. So we are talking about uh, a thousand, uh, uh, a thousand and eight hundred uh, uh, 
uh, high mountains. So nice, nice peaks to go to go hiking and also mountain biking. Uh, so uh, this this kind of uh, activities, if maybe combined also with some some winery tours, those are an example of what you can do. And I imagine also some very good local restaurants. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. We we do have a really wide variety of that, uh, starting from uh, let's say more uh, normal uh, restaurants, but uh, also going very to very really fine and really a high high really high level, let's say, and fine uh, restaurants. So we have we have everything that you that you can get that you can have, and uh, also if you are an art uh, person, let's say in Tortona there is a very very nice museum. Of divisionism, divisionism is a is an important uh, art movement that started in Italy at the beginning of the last century, uh, and uh, it's really nice to visit. You can visit it uh, every day, so it's also an, an, another very nice thing to do in Tortona. Okay, well, you've really given a very good overview of both Cantina Volpi of this special grape variety Timorasso and also of the Coli Tortonesi. So uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today, Marco. Thank you very much for being my guest. I look forward to visiting myself as soon as I can. Yes, for sure. Thanks a lot for the interview, and uh, I'm waiting for you to, to come here in Tortona, of course. Okay, grazie. A presto. Grazie. Ciao, a presto. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast. Brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.